Frank Rodriguez is a policy advocate with CAUSE, the Central Coast Alliance United for a Sustainable Economy. He's worked to advocate for marginalized communities in Santa Barbara, promoting education and sustainable work for immigrants in the county. Mr. Rodriguez joined us for an interview on CAUSE's work throughout the pandemic, racism in Santa Barbara County, and empowering undocumented residents. We're joined today by Frank Rodriguez, policy advocate with CAUSE. Thank you so much for joining us today, Frank. Thanks for having me. So we were wondering if you could begin by giving us a bit of personal background and information into how you first got started with CAUSE. So I grew up here in Santa Barbara, California. Um, ended up going to school over in Los Angeles. Um, worked for a while, especially in the labor movement and, and electoral organizing. Want to go do my master's over in Texas um, before I moved back here around five years ago and now have been with cause for five years. Um, started off as uh, uh, an organizer as the only staff member here in Santa Barbara um, organizing um, Latinx um, community members, especially in the east side, west side of Santa Barbara, and now have been doing more policy work, especially around issues of tenant and immigrant rights. For those who don't know, what is CAUSE and what central issues does your organization center around? So CAUSE is um, the acronyms for the Central Coast Alliance United for a Sustainable Economy. And really it's delving into the idea of what is a sustainable economy. And for us, that means a healthy environment. Um, that means living wages. Um, and cause does come from the living wage campaign of the early 2000s. Um, that means immigrant rights to really um, support workers, especially those in the, our service and agricultural industries here in our region um, that are sometimes um, um, the most overworked and the least paid. Um, this is about voting rights. This is making sure our, we have, um, make sure legislators hear our voice, um, especially the immigrant voice here in the community. Um, so really a sustainable economy is, is making sure um, that not only are we saving our planet to make sure we're able to live in it, but that every human is dignified to be able to work in it. What have been CAUSE's main projects throughout the course of the pandemic? So in dealing with a global pandemic here locally, um, I think there was a lot learned um, in responding to the Thomas fire and Montecito debris flows. Um, as many folks know, um, alongside Future Leaders of America and the Misteco Indigenous Organizing Community Project, or Community Organizing Project, MICO, um, and CAUSE joined to create the 805 Undocu Fund, um, uh, an effort to really address the lack of societal safety nets, economic safety nets for undocumented community members um, who lost um, their jobs or, or, or were, um, were physically affected by the Montecito debris flows or the Thomas fire. Um, so undocumented folks who didn't have access to FEMA funds, um, there was an effort to, to raise funds in order to support those communities. At the moment, um, we have been able to um, fundraise and distribute um, almost, I think, $8 million um, since the Thomas fire that occurred in 2018. Um, but after that, we, we kept reopening the funds um, as we had um, some other sporadic fires that happened throughout 2019. And then when the pandemic um, started, um, we reopened the fund and have distributed the most funds during kind of our whole period in responding to a global pandemic that of course has infected us all. Um, 
So we're excited um, um, that the state of California is opening funds for undocumented folks as safety nets that we need for, for all folks in order to be in a healthy community. Uh, so yeah, that's what I'm thinking about the, the, the response and, and the preparation that, that these ecological disasters had in our region in order to help us prepare. And besides that, um, big ups to our community organizers who have been um, really um, on the ground speaking with community members, not only our grassroots leaders, but the broader community in, in order of making sense what's going on um, and being able to, to kind of bring this information and in the many coalitions that we're a part of. How has the County Public Health Department responded to the disproportionate case rate of COVID within marginalized communities in Santa Barbara? And what more could and should the Public Health Department be doing? Yeah, as many folks know, um, addressing racism and the history of, of racism in this country is, is not an easy task. Um, and it's not a task that's going to be done overnight. Um, so of course, there's there's always so much more and much more that needs to be done um, in order to really address the systemic effects of of racism in in even here in our community um, in Santa Barbara County. Um, with the county, um, um, we have been part of the Latinx Indigenous um, um, Health Task Force as a space in order to give. Um, um, organizations working with Latinx um, and especially Spanish speaking, indigenous speaking um, immigrants here in, in our county, the ability um, um, to have that direct connection with the health department to be able to strategize and collaborate in order to support community members. Um, um, and at the same time, this means we need to do a lot more, especially for our black community. Um, here in Santa Barbara County for our Asian Pacific Islander community. Um, and, and for me, this is kind of our society really taking a step back um, and really be, being able to delve into first the history, um, especially um, just being part of the Pacific Rim and the history of, of migration patterns that have been part of this whole Pacific kind of coast region um, um, since the 19th century um, and beyond. Um, thinking about the, the migration of, of farm workers that were brought in um, a lot of workers during the, the after World War II, especially Mexican workers um, um, from down south. So this history we need to del delve into and or one to start to understand about the segregation that occurred here in Santa Barbara. Um, um, the um, segregation to folks, especially to the east side, east of State Street. Um, um, that started in the formation. And so the history of our region um, needs to acknowledge um, the disproportionate effects of, of, of racism and, and segregation um, and really systemic segregation and how that has impacted um, health patterns here in our region. And now as we reflect in a time and in, in, as we respond to a global pandemic, um, we really need to understand why there has been disproportionate health pro um, probabilities for different communities. Um, these aren't the decisions, um, um, personal decisions of, of whole communities based on solely um, personal decisions. Um, systemic racism is, is 
really having the ability to take a step back, really look at history in its totality and understand what were the patterns that brought people to work here, how people were treated, especially their families as they work here, um, and what access they were given. Um, we have to remember California um, had the legacy of Prop 187 um, when they said undocumented folks didn't have the right to access hospitals um, and our K through 12 system or a public education system. That was a blatant kind of response from, from especially the, the, the white community of California, fearful of the changing demographics of the state. Um, in response, and what happened here in California is um, we've had uh, a growth of especially um, legislators of color throughout the state um, after Prop 187. And we went from kind of the state of Reagan, um, um, the state of Nixon, the, the, uh, a Republican stronghold to now we know um, as, as a more left progressive state um, here in California. That history comes from a, a kind of a, a, a conversation that's been happening amongst the white community um, and communities of color here in the state. Um, and so I think that we, we need to address that head on um, in a conversation that looks like I said, history at its totality um, and it allows us to discuss um, why um, the Healthy Place Index in making um, their decisions of distributing vaccines is going to these communities that have historically had lower probabilities of health. And that does not only look at health patterns, it looks at how much um, um, advocacy people have or how much voice they have at the ballot box in their state legislature and their local legislatures. Um, so yeah, I think there's, there's a lot to contend with. Um, um, and dealing with, with how, especially undocumented community members, how communities of color have been um, treated here um, in California. So from a communication standpoint, what strategies would you say have been most effective or least effective in regards to spreading information about COVID and dispelling rumors or myths about the vaccine? I think one piece that a lot of um, I think experts and, and community members talk about is this idea of kind of integration, um, this idea of how does somebody um, be able to become part of a community? How does a community member go from kind of not being knowledgeable of how to move within a society to kind of being integrated and being able to know where the resources are at, who to go, go to talk to? Um, and also the empowerment of being able to go to those spaces, um, being able to go to even your local legislators and be like, yo, I want this change. Um, um, it's a big thing of empowerment that's needed. Um, so when we're talking about systemic racism, um, it's kind of acknowledging that those accesses, that information and specifically that empowerment hasn't been equal, it hasn't been distributed part properly. Um, and a lot of that comes from folks that were told, yo, you have to live in the east side of Santa Barbara or being um, told you have to um, take this um, service economy job and low paying wage. Um, so th th there's a lot of factors that of course limit a human's ability um, to be part of that society. And working two jobs in one day is exactly that. Not only taking you the ability to be with your family, but also to be kind of civically involved um, or even just be knowledgeable of kind of how to get involved. So I raise all that to, to really 
raised like it, it for that reason, um, we know that we've been hearing from folks of the lack of trust um, um, on the vaccine. And of course, um, rumors and very familiar with those, especially when we're talking about ICE or um, Immigration Customs Enforcement in our community. When rumors hit us, um, 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 our community, especially our Spanish speaking community is very well connected and these rumors spread, um, especially with social media now. Um, and so, yeah, we've heard a lot of concerns, especially from our organizers and, and many community kind of um, organizations and teams here um, throughout the region. And in terms of really how do we um, um, put in that extra effort to build that trust um, with our health departments and with our vaccine. Um, and it's not something that we can just take be taken as a given. Even looking at the case of the global pandemic that hit us um, in the 20th century, um, we've seen folks that, that have had um, ill trust of, of the masks, of the vaccines. It's, it's patterns we see repeated again. Um, and so I think a, a lot of this is, is really, the best we can do is go provide the right information. I think um, this, this is not, it can't be forced, right? Folks have to be willing to, to, to want to take the vaccine. Um, and so, like we talked about earlier, we're not gonna fix racism, racism by tomorrow. Um, so I think this is going to be a continual kind of um, effort into how do we make sure that a community member feels not only informed of, of what it is to be a resident of a community, but that they feel empowered in order to voice um, um, how they feel and what how they want to feel within that space. Thank you to Frank Rodriguez at Cause for speaking with KCSB. You can learn more about his work at CAUSE by visiting causenow.org. He will be going into further detail about his organization's work at KCSB News' upcoming webinar panel on May 18th at 4 p.m. More information and the registration link can be found at kcsb.org.